This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for September 30th, 2012. The Gospel is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 9, verses 38 through 50. The message is by Father Rick Bowser. I want to take a moment to invite the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit into this room and into this place. And I want you to agree with me in our invitation. When two or three are gathered together and agree, then it's done. So let's invite the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit into this room. Amen. It would be um, quite normal of you to expect that the sermon or homily this morning would, or homily is actually a commentary, and usually on the uh, gospel of the appointed day in the lectionary. And this morning's got, um, readings from Scripture were rich for, I mean, there's five or six sermons in there, easy with Esther and James and Mark and um, the Psalms. The one passage that is especially important to me in, in Mark, which talks about the little ones and being stumbling blocks and millstones being cast around people's necks instead of leading these little ones astray. And it's one of those scriptures that have really defined my life for the last 25 years. He wrote a book about a fox and a chicken coop. However, I believe that I'm led by the Holy Spirit to talk to you about another part of the liturgy that we're going to recite this morning. Because in a little bit, you're going to encounter a brief paragraph from the Nicene Creed. It's... The three sentences in the Creed that are given to the Holy Spirit. It says that you and I believe in the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. That's it. Three sentences. And while I'm not minimizing what those three sentences actually say, there's an analogy here for me. Um, definition of analogy is transferring meaning from one subject to another. And I believe the analogy is to our lives in, as believers in Christ we don't spend much time thinking about or experiencing the Holy Spirit. It reminds me of a story that um, I heard once about the farmer <clears throat> who went out one day and evidently two of his cows had become bewitched and um, had gotten their heads in the same halter. 
And the farmer's son said to his, his dad, he said, Father, how can this happen? And the father said, Boy, one doesn't talk about such things. <clears throat> Yet the creed tells us that this Holy Spirit is the Lord. The Lord is one who has power and control and authority over our lives. And that this Holy Spirit is the giver of life. Jesus himself said, this is what Jesus said, that the Holy Spirit was going to take his place among us, among us here on earth after Jesus' departure. That literally the Holy Spirit is God with us. And I have to tell you, were it not for an overwhelming experience with the Holy Spirit in 1989, I wouldn't be standing here in front of you as an Anglican priest. And I preached this sermon at the 8 o'clock, and Ron encouraged me to talk a little bit about that experience. Um, because as it turned out, some of the feedback I got was many of you, if not most of you, have had powerful and overwhelming experiences with the Holy Spirit. Mine happened in my living room. I had invited a um, fellow counselor from my counseling practice to our home for dinner. I'd never met her before, and so I wanted to meet her and get to know her. As it turned out, she was um, <coughs> the most powerfully overwhelming, spiritually in gifted person I've ever encountered in my entire life. You know that when she came, and uh, my wife had had a migraine that day and was kind of um, <clears throat> still recovering. And we were having dinner, and I'd mentioned that. And this this woman asked if we could pray for my wife. And uh, well, I'm a Baptist minister at the time, so we pray, right? You know, God bless her and help her to feel better, those kind of things. And so I said, sure, you can pray for my wife. So she gets up behind my wife. She stands behind her. She puts her hands on her, my wife's back, and she begins to speak in tongues. And then she began to pray for my wife. And then I'm sitting on the couch watching this, right? Because that's what we do as Baptists. We observe. <laughs> we sit in the back pew, and we watch. And... Uh, so she looks at me and she motions me over and says, you come and pray for her. Okay. So I got up and I walked over and laid my hands on and she laid her hands on me. And at that moment in time, I experienced a overwhelming and powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit on me. <clears throat> Thank you.
The day before that experience, I was a Baptist minister. The day after that experience, I was no longer even a Baptist. Because I want to talk this morning about the concept of experiencing the Holy Spirit. And I know concept is actually an oxymoron. Concepts are conceived in the mind. Experiences are things that actually happen to us. <clears throat> when I asked my father, who is also a Baptist minister, my brother's a Baptist minister, my uncle's a Baptist minister, a lot of Baptist ministers in my family. So when I asked my father, who's a Baptist minister, about my experience with the Holy Spirit, he said, yes, he believed in the Holy Spirit. Because it's in the Bible. And he believes in the Bible. Okay. But when I asked him about my particular experience with the Holy Spirit, he said that he believed what happened to me. But as it turns out, it's never happened to him. The implication here is that God chose to visit on me this experience, but not to visit this experience on him, my father, the Baptist minister, who for me at that moment in my life was probably right next to God. And I felt like that farmer's son. And I said to my father, how can that be? How can that be? How did this happen? You see, although I'd been raised a Baptist and was at the time a Baptist, ordained Baptist minister, my real education began that day. Because you see, up until then, I had never heard of the doctrine of seek not, forbid not. That's the doctrine of the Holy Spirit that I was raised with. In so much as we don't seek experiences with the Holy Spirit, but if they happen, we don't forbid them. Because they're in the Bible. I also learned that although we believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the way we view the Trinity is that there's the Father, Son, and Holy Scripture. And then I learned that we believed in this thing called dispensationalism. And that was how we explained our lack of Acts chapter 2, chapter 11, chapter 19 experiences of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's how we explain it. Because you see, in dispensationalism, God has special dispensations throughout history. One of them was what we call the apostolic age. And in the apostolic age, there was this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, 11, 19, you want to read them. Pretty wild. Kind of what happened to me. But that at the end of the apostolic age, those experiences ended, those gifts ended, and that we're now in a different age. Well, it's the church age. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? 
Never mind that, as it turns out, dispensationalism was concocted by the Jesuits to counter the Reformation in the 1500s, and is now the mainstream belief of the evangelical church. Any of you ever read or seen in the Left Behind series? You know, where there's going to be this tribulation at the end of the time and the rapture and all those things. It's all based on the eschatology of dispensationalism. And I learned that although they uh, added to their doctrine of forbid not, or that to seek not to forbid not, they didn't really mean that. Because as soon as that happened to me, I was no longer one of them. I was no longer a Baptist. Now let me just say that this experience with the Holy Spirit was a spontaneous outpouring which included a spontaneous speaking in an unknown language, which we call tongues. That happened to me. And I can assure you that the person who was most shocked by that was me. I didn't know those things happened. Now, see, I was now impaled on the horns of the greatest dilemma of my life. I was a Baptist who spoke in tongues. I was a believer whose experience didn't match his theology. I was a believer whose experience didn't match his theology. What I learned in the days that follow was that theology, that is, beliefs about God, is no match or was no match for my experience with God. By the way, although part of this experience included what we call tongues, that wasn't what the experience was all about. You see, for the first time in my entire life, I felt the love of God. I mean, I'm talking about the pure energy of life force of love that created the universe. And that energy was directed at me. It's overwhelming. It impacted every cell of my body every neuron in my brain and every spiritual sensitivity I had, literally every aspect of my being. I'd been asked all my life to have faith in God's love. Jesus loves me. This I know. The Bible tells me so. It was as if someone had described to me An evening of viewing the descending sun over the horizon of a body of water. And they said, believe me, that sunset, it was beautiful. But I ask you, can you prove 
that it was beautiful? If you can prove it, I'll believe it. What I learned was that experience needs no proof. What I also learned in the years to come is that in the world of the Spirit, it's pretty messy. I learned that we don't control the Holy Spirit or much of anything in the Spirit world. I learned that the Spirit world has location. I spent some time in Toronto. I spent some time in Pensacola and Florida. I've spent time in places where I knew there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit because I wanted to be there. And I learned that the Holy Spirit has location because there is a group of people there who have invited Him. They've agreed together to invite Him. And in that place, He dwells. And that the spirit world operates by invitation. One would think that, you know, for example, the dark side of the spirit world, Satan himself roams about seeking who may may devour, which is true. But the concentration of the presence of evil is by location and it's by invitation. Those people want him there. And the people at Toronto wanted the Holy Spirit. And we agreed this morning to invite him here. I learned that the devil's real. And I learned that some people like to think that they have formulas and answers. They really don't. But what I mostly learned was the difference between the church, its doctrines, its theologies, its demands for faith. I learned the difference between